This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Father, we pray that you would take these words and speak through them. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would be your people in the world and lift you up as Lord in our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to break the rules today. The, the rule is basically that you should preach on the lessons appointed. But the more I worked on preparing for this service today, the more I thought there was another passage that I needed to draw our attention to this morning. And that's Revelation chapter 5. It's probably appropriate that we were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. It reflects this whole passage in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. But we're just going to look at chapter 5 today. So let me read it for you. And I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I wept much that no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and open its seven seals. And in the midst of the throne and in the midst of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and with golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you did ransom us for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us a kingdom and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all therein saying, to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. The book of Revelation is a difficult book. It's filled with all kinds of twisting and turning, numbers and colors and word pictures. Uh, some, are, some of these word pictures are frightening 
and some people are afraid to read this book, which is a bit of ironic because the book actually says that if we read it, we will receive a blessing. But there are more profoundly comforting passages in the book of Revelation than there are frightening ones. If ascension is about lifting up, then in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, John, the one who receives this revelation and writes it down, is experiencing his own mini temporary ascension. He is being brought into the throne room of God. And his experience helps us to understand the meaning of, among other things, the ascension of Jesus. But we've started halfway through the scene because it really begins in chapter 4. I won't go through the entire chapter, but just to recap, there are two songs that are sung in Revelation chapter 4. They are both addressed to the one seated on the throne. The first is one we know well. We say it at every communion service, and we just sang a bit of it uh, a moment ago. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. God is praised, first of all, because he is holy, not because of anything he's done, but just because of who he is. But secondly, in Revelation chapter 4, God is praised because he is the creator, because he has made everything that is. And this praise comes from the 24 elders, which is the image of the church. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, put them together, you get 24. And by the four living creatures representing all of creation. So that's the vision of Revelation chapter 4. The Revelation of chapter 5 introduces a problem. Right there in heaven, there's a problem. I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. Revelation 4 says that God is worthy because he is holy and because he is the creator, but now we have a new element in the story, the scroll. The scroll is not just a picture of what is going to happen next, uh, a, a kind of newspaper written beforehand. It's much more than that. The scroll discloses the meaning of history the meaning of creation. Who will unlock the mystery of the meaning of the world? Indeed, the question really is, does the world have any meaning? At first, the prospect of finding the meaning behind the events of history looks bleak. No one, it appears, no one, is able to open the scroll. No one on heaven, in heaven or on earth or under the earth. The meaning of the universe, it seems, may remain hidden. And John's reaction is a reaction we should have given what he has just heard. 
John says in verse 4, And I wept much that no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. I wept much. Here in the throne room of God, at the center of the universe, stands a man, John, weeping. This past year, indeed this year as well, have been a time of weeping. I don't need to remind you that we have experienced a pandemic. In this country, perhaps we're on the downside. Some people seem to think that because the government made an announcement the other day that it's over, it's, it's not over. Yes, things do seem to be getting better, but still people are suffering and dying. I probably also don't need to remind you in, that in this country, we're still trying to come to terms with racial injustice, which seems to be embedded in our thinking and behavior. We have lived through political chaos and much economic uncertainty, and we're still living through it. But perhaps I do need to remind you, because the press is not as good at reminding us, that the world outside of North America is suffering far worse than we are. The pandemic in India is killing huge numbers of people. It's horrific to see that news. The country of Myanmar has had a horrible military coup with incredible suffering. We've probably seen visions of what's going on in Israel and Palestine. Yesterday I was talking with a Kenyan friend who lives here and asking him about the situation in Kenya. And he said, well, if you look at the internet uh, for the, the rate of COVID infections and deaths in Kenya, it doesn't look very bad. But he said, my people are telling me that people are collapsing and dying in the streets and being buried the next day, and it's never recorded anywhere. People are just dying and they don't know why. In Ethiopia, where Wendy and I lived, there is a civil war in the northern part of that country, which appears to have turned into a genocide. Relief convoys are being turned back and the press is banished and the internet is shut down. John weeps in front of the throne of God. The misery of human suffering is indeed and indeed of the creation itself, has found its way into the presence of the one who sits on the throne. The ruler of the universe hears these cries. But John is given hope. Verse 5 says, Then one of the elders said to me, Weep not, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. There is hope in the midst of this misery. And what is that hope? It's a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, which of course those who read the Old Testament will know this is, 
This is the king. This is the Messiah. And just to emphasize it, another messianic title is given to us. The root of David. And what has he done? He has conquered. These are words of victory and authority and power. John's heart must have uh, been lifted up at this point. And so he turns to see the lion. Verse 6 says, And in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the world. John turns to see the hero, the conqueror, the king. And what does he see? Not a lion, but a lamb. And not just a lamb, but one bearing scars. And not just a wounded lamb, but one who had been a sacrificial victim. If this is the fulfillment of John's hopes, it is a strange fulfillment. John desires to see victory, to see power. But what he sees is weakness, or at least so it appears at first glimpse. But if we read again, we see that there is power in this weakness. This lamb has seven horns. The number seven in the book of Revelation and throughout the Bible is the number of completeness. Seven days of creation and so forth. The lamb has seven horns. The horn is the symbol of power. He has all power. The lamb has seven eyes. He is all-seeing. Indeed, the lamb that had suffered is now standing. This is not a corpse that John sees, but a lamb which is alive. Notice the tense of the verb. A lamb standing as though it had been slain. Yes, it was slain, but it is no longer dead. It had been killed, but is alive again. Again, don't miss the point. John knows the lamb had been slain because John sees the wounds. Just as Jesus showed the disciple Thomas his hands and his side, so John now sees the bloody scars on the lamb. So now it is not just John's suffering, John's weeping, which is before the throne. Now the wounds of death itself are there in the very presence of God's throne. At the center of the universe are the human scars of Jesus. And so the scene goes on. This is the one who is worthy. And so in verse 7 it says, And he went, and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp 
with golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you did ransom us for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made us a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is therein saying to him who sits upon the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. The lamb takes the scroll. This is the claiming of authority over the universe. And it unleashes a flood of praise. In chapter 4 of Revelation, God is praised because he is holy and because he is the creator. But now in chapter 5, Jesus is praised because through his blood, the world has been redeemed. The world is being healed because of this slain lamb. And and the picture of worship is both spontaneous and just incredibly full of a vast number of images that we we don't note until we look really carefully. For example, uh, the, the angels... Uh, not only the, the living creatures, uh, all of creation, not only the elders, the, the people of God, but the angels are now praising God because of this redemption. And it says that there are myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. The word myriad is the Greek word for 10,000. It's the largest number in ancient Greek. John couldn't find a larger number, but there aren't just myriads of them. There are myriads of myriads of them and thousands of thousands, and they are praising the Lamb. And this praise has all these words associated. Uh, Worthy are you to to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. If you're counting, that's seven words of praise. John is not doing this haphazardly. It's complete, perfect praise that is being offered by all of creation, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they are all worshiping both the one on the throne and the lamb. Jesus is receiving the worship due to God alone. Because Jesus is the ascended Lord, we have a task to do. Verse 10 says that those who are are ransomed by the blood of Jesus are made priests and kings. That's us. That means that we are to mediate the story of God's love 
to a suffering world, to a world in need. We are to reign on earth. Note what the text does not say. The text does not say, Jesus is Lord, therefore you're going to heaven. It says, Jesus is Lord, therefore we shall reign on earth. We are given a commission to go into the world and rule the world under God's lordship. We have a job to do. Therefore, we need help. We need the Holy Spirit. But that's another sermon, so come back next week. Finally, the ascension means that our pain and our suffering are not meaningless. That the world and its history are not meaningless. In the permanent, glorious wounds of Jesus... The suffering of the world has been taken up into the very heart of God. Jesus is on the throne. Therefore, your pain, your suffering is there with him. Jesus took our pain, our suffering, our sin with him to the cross. And he still bears those scars as he's taken all of that with him to the right hand of God the Father. The the writer of the book of Hebrews, who is anonymous, no one knows who he or she is, puts it this way. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can draw near to God's throne because at the heart of God, is the one who took our suffering and our pain and our sin with him to the throne of God. Therefore, weep not, take courage. Jesus is ascended, Jesus is Lord. He has called us to be a kingdom of priests on earth and his wounds are ever there on the throne for us. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for the ascension of Jesus. That he has ascended to your right hand in glory, bringing his wounds with him. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that following him we would be a kingdom of priests in this world for the sake of all of your creation. For we pray in the, in the name of Jesus. Amen.